You're listening to What If We Loved Podcast, a show about building up the church through love, sonship, and healing. Here are your hosts and founders of Love Inside Out Ministries, Bruce and Shay Mason. Welcome to episode 13 of the What If We Loved Podcast. We're back with Shay and Janie and Bruce and... Um, Shay and I are grieving right now because our beloved Cubs lost. And Janie's celebrating because she's, <laughs> she's a new Cubs, or she's not, she's not a Cubs, but she's a new Braves fan. Did you just say you're a new Cubs fan? Yeah, I love them. Is that what you said? She's a new car. Braves fan <laughs> as of last year, but not because not because they won. I was the luck, I was the good luck charm that came in and made them win. They need you. Yeah. I started at the beginning of last season. <laughs> Well, today we wanted to talk about something that has been on all of our hearts, and we were actually talking about it at our uh, Wednesday night connect group. We lead a a group for a small group in our church, and it actually stemmed off of uh, a message that was given on Sunday about the difference between living, this is as a Christian, living according to an Old Testament or an Old Covenant lifestyle or way of outlook um, outlook or way of of believing acting versus the new covenant which is what jesus um cut for us in his blood when he died on the cross and it's amazing actually how it's i think it's part of human nature really how we're continually trying to go back into the idea of of needing to please God, to make some kind of a sacrifice, to do something or not do something in order to gain his favor. Really, ultimately, it's to be loved by him. I think we've touched on this in other podcasts as well. But I thought we could share a little bit about this today because it's pretty radical. It should be normative, but it's pretty radical what Jesus won for us on the cross. The, the freedom that we now have in Christ, that glorious freedom of the sons and daughters of God, is unlike anything that the world can offer or even understand, because mm-hmm. it's something that's it's of the spirit, it's spiritually discerned, it's spiritually given. So in Hebrews, I'll just start with a little scripture just to kick us off, and then we can talk about it. Um, Hebrews is great because it, it goes through Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross, why he needed to accomplish it. It it relates to temple sacrifice and how um, Jesus came to be the once and final for all sacrifice for our sins. And this distinction is made. And I just want to read from Hebrews 10. uh, And this is out of the NIV. uh, But it says, um, starting at verse 8, I'll start at verse 11, actually. So day after day, Every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, this is meaning Jesus here, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So that's us. This is what he's done for us. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. 
After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. There's a lot in that passage, and we don't have time to, to really unpack it all. But this idea of, of Jesus being that one perfect sacrifice, mm -hmm. that he accomplished everything for us that we could not accomplish for ourselves, that even though the law prescribed the sacrifices to be made, the ultimate purpose, and Paul mentions this, was really to ultimately show us that we could never satisfy um, the the problem of sin through those sacrifices that mm -hmm. only God or through the requirements it, of the law or any of the requirements of the law exactly and yet what happens is is that when we become Christian we enter in through grace but then we find ourselves I don't it, it, perhaps not even believing the reality mm -hmm. of what we've received I don't know if you've ever you know have any examples of of living that so way. many because <laughs> i know I have. yeah i i mean i think that any christian who's being honest can relate to the idea of of falling into striving to please god through our actions and you know it, it doesn't really matter your denomination or your you know your church background there's a million different ways that we can find ourselves stepping into a place of you know trying to to prove that we're worthy to go up for communion or prove that we're worthy to have our prayers answered uh, i can think of the ways that i used to really sort of legalistically pray over my children when they would go to school in the morning and i would pray the armor of god over them not a bad idea great to pray that over your children, but I would pray it the same way every day as they would leave to catch the school bus. And if I skipped something, or if one day I, mm. in a hurry to get them out the door, didn't pray it at all, I would just feel like, oh my goodness, like I, I messed up. My kids aren't covered. Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Like we're loved by God and my kids are loved by God and and he's not sitting there going whoops <laughs> you, you didn't pray over them today so I'm gonna make sure their day is horrible or you didn't or you missed one of the words in that right? yeah you missed you missed one of the parts of the armor sorry they're not covered I mean that's that's not who a loving father is no. but for years I I was in that place of thinking I had to do everything correctly I had to check the box I had to get it right or I wouldn't be protected. My family wouldn't be protected. I couldn't be blessed. Well, I think we view God a lot. Like a lot of people view God as like a system or a robot mm. where it's like, if you don't enter in the correct code, right. you're not going to get gonna the malfunction. Result. And so like, even with, you know, pressing in for miracles or pressing in for a breakthrough, people think, oh, if I don't plug in this solution in the exact way, it's like, we forget that God's a father. And you, mm. when you're talking to your father, you don't need to say, can I have that candy, please? Like, if you just said, please, can I have candy? Like, God's like, yes, like, I know what you're saying. Like, I, you know, right. and I he's think not saying, now reword that correctly. <laughs> yeah. Part of that, too, I think, is our, our viewing our relationship with God as transactional yeah. rather than relational. That if I do this, then he'll do that. If he does this, then I need to do that. And in a relationship where it's 
we're doing things in a in a real relationship. We're operating in love. So a response is not we're not acting in a way to get a response. We're acting because it is our response mm-hmm. to the love that we experience right. from the other person. Well, and I think a lot of us are conditioned to act in a way that maybe reflects how we were treated by an earthly father. And, you know, there's no earthly father that comes even close to our heavenly father in his, I mean, you can have an incredibly loving earthly father, but still doesn't come close to our heavenly father. And, you know, and then there's a whole lot of really bad earthly fathers out there who might punish you if you didn't ask correctly or yeah. So a lot of us, I think will put those ideas of our earthly father sort of onto the way that we interact with our heavenly father and, you know, expect kind of the same results, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. but that's not who he is. Building off that thought, why don't we dig a little bit deeper into why people do tend to struggle when it comes to living in the fullness of the new covenant reality that is ours in Jesus. It's, it's part of our inheritance and what he came uh, to win for us. And I'll just, I'll just start, you know, for me, there's, I mean, there's been a variety of things that have kept me from, from living in that reality. Uh, One of them has just simply been, I've, I've always struggled with believing that maybe it's just too good to be true. Mm. That how could God have really given us this kind of freedom where I don't have to, where I don't actually have to earn anything from him. Something so ingrained in me and, and through my own life and my own brokenness and experiences where it's just so in deeply written into my, my being and into my heart that, that in order to get love, I had to do something, whatever that, that is. And so when I first started to hear the fact that actually living um, in freedom meant that I don't have to think that way anymore or act that way anymore, there was a part of me that just said, how could that really be real? It just seemed too good to be true. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that way at all or <laughs> yeah, definitely. it's held me back. Yeah. I think I felt that way. Um, you know, just that I was unworthy or that mm-hmm. this was too good to be true. But I also felt on the opposite side, like that's like the younger brother syndrome mm. for the prodigal yeah. son. Like, oh, I'm unworthy. I could just be your servant the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I've also struggled with the older sibling syndrome where it's like, this isn't fair. They've done yeah. so much worse. And I don't want to live under this new covenant because my deeds have actually been better. Yeah. And so if, if everyone's are, erased because of the blood of Jesus. What if, what if mine actually meant they actually earned me something? So I think that's one reason people don't want to live under the new covenant. So in a way it feels unfair that there's this great equalization that takes place in Mm -hmm. Jesus. Once we become brothers and sisters and sons and daughters, we think, well, wait a minute. What about all those things I did? Do they count for nothing? Yeah. Like if you, if you were going through life, doing good work so that you thought you were earning something, this would be the worst news ever because <laughs> you'd be like, wait, all of that was, for-. but it's not the worst news ever because you go from, you know, almost perfect to perfect because of yeah. Jesus's blood. But still, I think people are focused on 
but I was at almost perfect and someone else was at awful. Right. And it's not fair that now we're, we're both perfect under Jesus's blood. That's not fair. And but- we want to feel we have some control yeah. and input mm-hmm. over our reward at the end of the day. It's like in the parable of the workers in the vineyard in Matthew 20, and you have the workers that came early and worked the full day and the ones that came later in the afternoon and they all received the same payment. And the ones who were there and worked the whole time say, wait, that's not fair. But it's not about being fair. It's about being loved. Hmm. Yeah. And there's two, I mean, there's, there's the, there's the struggle with that over, you know, the people who, who, who come to faith, you know, right on their death's door versus people who have maybe lived with Jesus all their lives. And so there's that sense. I think that parable addresses that for sure. But then there's also, if we're living with Jesus, you know, not everybody's behavior is great all the time. And you might be working really hard to try to live a really exemplary life as a believer. And you know, someone else is a believer and they are, and of course this is coming from your own perspective, but they are, they seem to be stumbling a lot over things that you don't stumble with. It's really easy to start to feel either resentful or frustrated or even angry about, you know, how, how can this be possible or how is this fair somehow they can live that way. And I don't know that we necessarily consciously think that way. No, probably not. I don't think I do. (laughs) Right. But, but I think in us, sometimes we can, we can, and it's, it's going back to the old covenant way of looking at it Mm -hmm. of, of is my behavior better than somebody else's or my actions better than somebody else's or whatever it might be. And you see, honestly, you see all, all kinds of splits in the church, even among denominations, because we decide that one set of actions or behaviors are, or beliefs are somehow over and against others better. And um, we can just get in a lot of trouble that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's really, it's an identity issue. Yeah. You know, do we know that we are God's children, that we are children of a heavenly father who loves us so much that, you know, he gives us a grace that we can't even comprehend. And yet, you know, it's, it's like, it's a heart transplant, but it's also an identity transplant in a sense. So we, we go from being identified as sinners to being identified as beloved. Mm -hmm. And so when you see Christians walking around, still clinging to that identity of sinner, wretchedness, unworthy, all of those things like, no, no, you're a new creation. Yeah. I always think we should do a whole podcast actually on the idea of worthiness and unworthiness. So stay tuned, (laughs) (laughs) but it's true. You know, I had, um, I've had conversations with many people over my life in, um, just people I've known as brothers and sisters in Christ, but also other um, pastors and ministers who are really, really hung up on this idea of of us being sinners. And, and it's it's tricky because we do sin. But I remember a particular conversation I had uh, about identity with somebody and said, you know, I don't I don't identify myself as sinner. I identify myself as son. Yeah, because that's what that's what scripture tells me that I am. And, um, but the person I was speaking with was really struggling with that and said, but I sin, so therefore I must be a sinner. And, and so it was a, it was a misunderstanding in my view of really what it means to be 
redeemed. You know, there's this whole idea too of when God sees us, is he just seeing Jesus and not us because we're so sinful that he can't really look upon us because we're sinful, but at least he can look upon Jesus. So we're clothed with Christ. It's that idea, which is true. That's biblical. But the reality is, is that is that we may be clothed with Christ, but that doesn't but why are we clothed with Christ? Because he loves us. Right. Because the what's underneath those clothes or what we've been clothed in, God loved even even when we didn't deserve it. He loved he loved us enough to want to clothe us and cover us and redeem us. Exactly. But if we cling on to ourselves as as sinners, and you've already said this, or we, we cling on to the idea of of our unworthiness instead of really recognizing who we are and who we've become, not ignoring the fact that we still sin, not ignoring the fact that we still struggle with things, but actually acknowledging in our heart of hearts that fundamentally above all else, we're loved. That's, I mean, that's a huge revelation when Mm -hmm. that really breaks into your heart. And that's part of the key of, of walking out life in the new covenant reality. Yeah. That we know how well, to. and it's like, if we only see ourselves as sinners, we're creating a distance between us and God mm-hmm. that doesn't actually exist. Right. Denies what he's done. for Yeah. Us. It's almost like we're pushing him away when he just wants to come and dwell in us and with us. Mm. And it's so beautiful, but we miss out on that beauty when we even unintentionally separate ourselves from him. It goes into the condition of our heart where we actually don't really believe in our heart. And this is something I struggled with also for years and years, believed in my heart that I actually was lovable, Yeah. that I actually could be loved by God. And part of my view of him was so, so other, there wasn't a nearness of him that this other God who's, who's holy and righteous and is a judge and who... Um, who's looking at everything I'm doing, that, that that God couldn't possibly love the me that I knew that I was with my sinfulness. Yeah, and, and that, that he's he's just sitting there somewhere in heaven waiting to mete out wrath on us. I mean, that was the picture I had for a long time. And the radical thing about Jesus is that he came to the people who were sinners, you know, and, and I mean that in terms of, yes, they sinned, but also that were declared by the, the Jewish community and the teachers of the law and all them as sinners because um, they were, you know, not prescribing to the, the, the law. So, I mean, there's a truth in that, but, but who did Jesus go to? To the people who had the, the lack of value or self-worth or uh, were literally doing things that were contrary to God's law. He went to them. Mm-hmm. And he only did what the father does right he was acting perfectly in accordance with the father's Mm -hmm. heart and so if jesus is going to those people who are so broken of of course he goes to us directly to us and brings the father to us Mm -hmm. i I do really think and i say this with humility but that that we as a body need to wake up Mm. to the reality of the depth of his love for us and what he really mm. did. It's so real. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a, re it's a revelation. It's something that has to come to our hearts. It's not something we can force ourselves to believe, but our heart prayer, I know for you and me, Shay, I'm sure for you as well, Jane, mm -hmm. is that, that God would pour out just such a revelation yeah. into the hearts of his children because we are his real children and he's our real father and he loves us and adores us because I, I know that even saying these words can make people uncomfortable to speak about a father loving and adoring, you know, uh, us, that that almost sounds so mushy. And so, you know, how could that be? And some people really think like. it's silly. Yeah. Right. But I love and adore my children. You know, we love them. They're amazing. We can't even, it's like, you can't imagine life without them. And, and I, if, I, if we, in our imperfection, can love our own children yeah. that much, just imagine what a perfect heavenly father can do yeah. and how much he loves his children. He loves to love us. And I imagine he can't imagine what it would be like not to have us, you know, for, for in his mind, in his reality, we've in a sense always existed. I mean, he's eternal, but um, he doesn't need us because he's God, but he loves us and he loves to be with us. And, and he wants us to experience all that he has for us. He doesn't want us living from a place of lack and self-judgment yeah. and all, all the things that we so easily step into. Yeah. He wants us to live in freedom, which is our new covenant yeah. reality. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a freedom from fear to really truly be able to live free from fear fear of death fear of judgment fear of condemnation fear of um just fear <laughs> just generally so that we can experience the true unconditional love well and that's kind of the crux of it is that fear is the opposite of love right yeah yeah I, he also wants us to live free of all of the bitterness all of the every bad feeling yeah. we have like that's included in the new the new covenant where it's even going back to the parable of the workers we see the people getting upset that they're going from that place of having the whole work the whole day and they get the same reward but i think what we don't remember is that the reward is so much more than we could ever work for mm -hmm. yes and also what we forget is the work is wonderful to do like that parable maybe it it wasn't like work in the field i'm not sure if during I would the think heat of the great. day yeah but in general working in life with god is wonderful and yeah. it's it's a joy to labor with him yeah and i think that we forget that the life he's offering that mm -hmm. denarius is worth everything like it's yeah. worth every day we could ever work in our lives it's yeah it's not unfair that one person gets it one person gets it by working less it's it's yeah. unfair that we get it at all it's just yeah. so amazing yeah you know what i mean and so what god mm. offers us is just yeah. beyond what we can fathom yeah just that joy so our feeble freedom. attempts yeah. to measure it just are pointless <laughs> yeah. I mean, paul talks about running the way race to to win the prize for which you know christ jesus called him heavenward something along that line and it's not even there that he's saying that he's necessarily earning. A, I mean, the prize has been won for him. Mm -hmm. Jesus has won the prize. 
And so he's simply living his life in, in a reflection and reaction to what Jesus has already won. Right. And, and the fullness of motivated love. Him. Yeah. That fullness of love just motivated him to, to, to live and minister the way he did so that he can then earn, in a sense, earn, although that's not really what he's doing, that prize. So he can then yeah. receive um, the prize of the victory that yeah. Jesus has it's, won. It's really a picture of the fruit that comes from abiding yeah. Yeah. rather than the fruit that comes from striving, which is mm -hmm. not good fruit. Yeah, not earning anything in the way we think of it, but right. we get to receive it because if we're living like Jesus experienced, Jesus lived in a way that he experienced complete joy, complete peace, yeah. just all the fruits of the spirit because yeah. he was living in unity with the father right. and he was free from all the things that we boggle ourselves down with. Yeah. We have the same option to us. Yeah. We can be free from the fear and free from the bitterness and free from all of the things that by accepting this new covenant life, yeah. we can live in that freedom. It's mind blowing. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no wonder we struggle with it. Mm -hmm. It's a life of, of sonship. And, you know, part of that too, that freedom is to the freedom to love others in the same way that we've been loved. Mm -hmm. That fullness of love that we've received is for us, but it's also for us to give away. Mm. And so that's the, the other half of the delight that we mm. get. It's so beautiful yeah. when you realize that the love that he's imparted to you is starting to flow through you, not through anything that you've done, yeah. but that you see others' lives starting to be transformed around you. It's like, whoa this is this is incredible so at the end of the day you can truly say i didn't do that yeah god did it mm -hmm. and mm. let's give him the glory mm -hmm. yeah mm. how about we pray yeah all right let's um let's pray just in that spirit of rejoicing mm. of how good god is and how much he loves us so let's pray father we thank you that you sent us your son, Jesus, to satisfy all the conditions, to destroy uh, the power and the bondage of sin, to destroy death itself, so that we might know and experience true life and true freedom. I thank you that in and through you, we can move from that old covenant lifestyle of needing to earn your love, earn your favor, earn your, your pleasure, never believing that we're, uh, that we're worthy enough to receive it, to receive, uh, your love and moving from that place to the place that Jesus himself lived where we live in the freedom that comes from knowing that you love us still not because of anything that we did but because you are love and because you sent your son to us even when we didn't deserve it that you loved us that much and that now in your eyes we are worthy as your sons and daughters still works in progress, still struggling with sin in our lives. But Jesus, thank you that you dealt with all of it and you gave us the road to freedom and forgiveness and grace. So we pray for 
all of you who are listening right now, that there's a part of you who still is struggling thinking this is too good to be true or that you um, have done something so wrong that this can't be true for you or that that not having to do anything to earn his love and favor is is really hard to grasp. We pray for you to have uh, a, just a beautiful revelation, a revelation directly from the heart of God to your heart. And he will speak the truth of his love to you so that you will know that you are his beloved. And there's nothing you can do to earn his love. There's nothing um, you can do to make him love you any more or love you any less. He simply loves you because that's who he is. So, Father, we pray for that deep revelation. We pray for more of that revelation for ourselves. We're all works in progress. So we glorify you. We praise you. We honor you. We adore you. Give our lives to you. You are the only way. The only way to freedom. And we pray this in Jesus' amazing name. Amen. 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 I guess that's it for now. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we love recording these podcasts, and we hope you enjoy listening to them as well. If you have any uh, questions you know, or comments, you can always shoot us an email at info at loveinsideout.org. But we would love to hear from you, and our heart really is to be a blessing to you. So I hope, hope, the, hope that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until next time, God bless. To learn more about the ministry, go to loveinsideout.org. If you liked this episode, please consider donating at loveinsideout.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed week.